Hi, and welcome to Breaking Free Podcast, a body-mind-spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and I'm excited to introduce this episode 42 of Divine Union. And I have a special guest today, Emily Baker, who I've been following as kind of a fangirl on um, Instagram. Emily's been doing some beautiful work um, in her field. Emily is a uh, intuition life coach for women, and she's kind of, she's got a beautiful background in biology, psychology, um, and energetics, which really brought me in Emily today is just your, your understanding of energetics. And because I'm like a science guru myself, and I like to understand how energy is really science, um, you make it very clear and concrete. And sometimes energy can feel like it's in la land for many of us who are new to it. So I'm very excited to have you today. Welcome. And so uh, maybe Emily, you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. I'd love to let the audience get to know you first. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Summer. Um, so I originally started as um, a pharmacy technician. I got my license in high school and that was like my field. But when I had my first son, I was sick of working really long days and I felt like there was something more I was meant to be doing out in the world. So I started my own business as a professional organizer and fell in love with it. It was so much fun. Um, but from there, I really learned that, you know, what we experience inside of us reflects into our external environment and our external environment has the ability to affect our internal state of being. I saw that show up in my client's world all the time. Um, and so from there, I became really fascinated in helping them understand their internal world, right? Their thoughts, their emotions, what was happening there that was um, manifesting as this clutter in their home and really helping them get to that root of the problem instead of becoming a house cleaner who was constantly cleaning up after them. And so that sort of sparked my journey from there where I got into life coaching um, to help with some of those skills to be able to coach people through discovering what was going on. Um, and then my second son was born. Each of my kids has been a really big catalyst in my personal life, but also in my work as well. Right. And the second son was a catalyst in my own healing journey because I ended up having an emergency C-section and being in the hospital for a month afterwards with infections and lots of stuff going on. And by the time I got out, I was hit hard with postpartum depression and PTSD and anxiety and like lots of stuff going on. And so that took me on a route of trying to heal myself, not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And one of my best friends growing up, her mom um, is an energy practitioner. And she reached out to me and said, hey, did you know that there's this other piece that can happen when we experience a lot of trauma? And I would be happy to help you heal in this. And I was somebody who has honestly spent most of my life being afraid of the woo and not wanting to get near it or close to it. I'd had a couple of little encounters that had helped um, kind of familiarize me with it and realize there was some good there that could happen. And I feel like it was really preparing me to be able to work with her um, and the fact that she was this longtime family friend. Um, so I worked with her for a while and it was incredible between having the like traditional therapy, medication and her work within nine months, I felt like myself, I was off my medications, like it didn't even take a year for me to heal through that. And I really contribute that to this holistic approach that was taken. Um, but that also opened my world a little bit more too. 
energetics and understanding it. And I took, worked with a couple of different coaches who also incorporated energetics into their work and their teaching and loved it. Um, from there, I did a bit of self-study as well. And finally, the final piece of my education was really learning to use my intuition as a teacher and learn how to learn through the intangible and was just guided to this person and this place. And here's this idea and connect to this concept. And it was like my own personal journey that brought everything together. And the work that I now teach, especially through the staircase model is this, um, co-creative experience that I felt like I've taken all these experiences and blended them into my own unique take on it. And that's what I now share. And so oftentimes people will ask me like, where did you learn this? What can I study? What resources are out there? And my list is like a mile long, but it's lots of different components. There's not like one place because that final piece was really um, that intuition and learning how to be taught in the way that I would best understand and that I would be able to share with others. And so that is now the work that I do is helping other women learn that process and that skill. Oh my goodness. I love that because when I started graduate school and I'm a little older than you, right? I'm 43 and I just different, when I entered graduate school, there was no even discussion of mindfulness yet. Like mindfulness wasn't even very much discussed. I, I was able to take a class from someone who studied with the Dalai Lama just by chance because I lived in Orlando, Florida and a lot of new ideas were coming through that area. And so I went and listened to this man and I remember coming home and saying that, whatever that is, that is the new, that is what I need to do. I need to learn that. I started studying mindfulness and learning to go within, right? And, and feel intuition. And I, I think I'd always known that, but the deeper, the deeper connection with the inner voice, right? The inner voice and learning to trust that just like you took me on a journey to be a holistic mental health professional and it's made all the difference. Uh, and so that's why I loved when I ran into you um, now helping to solidify, cause it's still, I find that it's not new maybe for some of us who've been on this journey for like, in my case, almost 10 years now, but I find that sometimes I'm the very first person who ever mentions to someone the concept of divine balance or divine feminine masculine energies or energetics. It can be very daunting. And I, I just ran into a client recently, um, you know, I made a referral because I, I was very transparent. Hey, I, I'm also trained in energy. I'm a quantum energy practitioner. And they're like, no, I can't touch that, right? That doesn't feel safe to me. And I said, okay, if it's not safe to you, you know, let's meet you where you're at. These are the tools that we can use. But like you, I know that when we deal with all of the energy, all the levels of healing, um, we, we heal the total person, the whole person. And so of course, I'm always going to give people my best, my best offering <laughs> and then dial it back to wherever they feel ready to, to meet me. Um, I imagine you do the same. Um, but today we're going to give our best offering to this group What we can really offer what we know. Yes. I so, Awesome. So, so tell me a little bit more about what it is that you do. Like, uh, tell us a little bit maybe about energetics. I think for some people, this is a really new field. Yeah. Um, so the way I like to describe it, cause I also have the same experience when I work with my clients, I have a scale of tools and I always want to match it to where the person is and where they feel most comfortable. Um, I like to describe energetics though, as basically 
we all are aware that there's this intangible part of our world, that it plays a role in our lives, but we can't quite describe it. Um, and so it feels very just haphazard and random, right? Luck or falling in love or just something feels off or like all these different ways that we've kind of tried to attempt to reconcile it or bring it into the conversation. Um, that's really what I love doing is creating constructs and methods to make this intangible part of our reality world more tangible. And I always tell everybody, you are allowed to view whatever I say as whatever degree of truth you want, right? If you want to say, this is the way the universe works, this is what's literally happening, go for it. If you want to say, this is a cool idea and it's a fun way to think about things, go for it. Wherever you fall kind of in that spectrum, the my purpose is always to just present these constructs and ideas that I know will get results because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my client's life. There's they're based off of patterns and um, models. My staircase model is a model the same way we have in pick an industry, you know, and they will, they've combed through their data and they've created this model off of it. And what's useful about models is they have this predictive component to it, right? We may not be able to say exactly what happens, but we can say, here's the trend here. Are the We know that this is a pattern that tends to play out and here's what that can look like. And so that's, at the very base level, I try to make that accessible for anyone to say, here is this base pattern that has been repeated. And if you follow through on these things, you are likely to have this end result. Um, but then it's also fun to go into some of the deeper energetics. And so if there are clients who are interested in that, then it's really fun to like dive deep into it because there is this whole world study there that we can really start playing in and we're beginning to understand it and be able to um I think understand is the right word in a lot of ways especially looking at it from a masculine and feminine perspective right feminine is intangible it is um, more fluid, more spiritual, masculine is more logical and structured. And because our science and technology has developed enough, that masculine has developed enough, it's really ready for this union with the feminine, right? Our myths and our things that were this feminine caretaker of a lot of things that I would describe as energetics now, we finally have like this way to describe them from a masculine view as well, right? I couldn't say you know, sometimes I use a lot of analogies with technology and how it works. And like your computer needs to shut down in order to upload the new program or to refresh the software, right? There are these concepts that are so um, applicable to us today. We get them really easily. That's because that masculine has advanced enough to start understanding that intangible feminine in a whole new way where they can really partnership. And I feel like technology is one of those bridges that's we're getting to bring in that energetic, feminine, intangible piece into the story and into the discussion. Oh, I love that. When I was first exposed to the reality of energetics was uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel out of UCLA was doing some research on kind of how this works uh, with therapists and how we have intuition with our clients um, beyond words. Uh, he would have therapists look at each other. I'll, I'll never forget this because I was watching him as a therapist looking at an 
another human and just say, okay, just with, with your, with your other senses, right? Not with, with your thinking mind, the concrete, right? I want you to just feel into this person and get a sense of what their trauma is about. And this guy looked at him and said, elephant, like something out of nowhere, right? His mind just got elephant. And the guy's like, yeah, I had an experience on a safari and it, it, it plays out with an elephant, but there was no way that this information could have traveled between these two people other than through, um, through energy, right? Other than through this non-tangible mirror neurons and he explained mirror neurons to us and how really we're picking up information from each other via mirror neurons even more quickly, right? Before somebody even says a word, we already have their vibe, right? We already know, we feel if somebody's safe or not safe, right? We have all these, this information and now we're starting to understand how that works, how that operates, how to use it in the healing process. It's, it's really exciting um, to see more and more people put some language around this because you're right, it feels very intangible without, we still tend to learn concretely, or at least that's what we've been trained to do, right? Is to favor, to favor the masculine energy. And let's understand that it's an energy, right? This isn't about gender. Maybe we need to clarify that just a little bit here too. Yeah, exactly. Um, everyone has masculine and feminine energy. They, I like to describe it as they're two different um, sets of traits and that we can find them throughout like individuals through it's almost one of my favorite games to play is just like can I see the masculine and the feminine energy in this because mm -hmm. there's always that intangible and tangible physical and spiritual um, component there and because we're very physical beings we're most comfortable with the physical tangible world we're always trying to make it more concrete and logical but you can't discredit this intangible piece of it and the more we can start to recognize this intangible piece plays a role and see that it is you know i have that scientific background i fell in love with biology chemistry my husband is um, a dual major or studied as a dual major in math and physics. Like we talk science all the time. And that repetitive process has always been feeling like the missing link between the intuitive part and the logical physical part, right? We can, you know, show that this is your physical brain and this is what's processing in your body, right? We've learned a lot of those things, but we have this harder time with the energetic piece of it. And it's really cool when you start to understand some of these components and how they play out and you realize it can go through the same process of being predictable and repeatable. And those are two of the hallmarks that masculine science loves, right? Can it be predictable and can it be repeatable? And if you have those two things, you have the basis for a theory. And that's what energetics really is getting so much momentum around now. It's no longer just this like, well, what means this person was able to read that person and get elephant and somebody else wasn't and they did some random thing and it was like oh yeah sure right like a long time ago i stubbed my toe and it got as big as an elephant or you know like it doesn't it's there's a difference and we know that there's this difference between that true intuition and just like trying to make some intangible thing work and for a long time we haven't been able to understand why it sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. And it just kind of seemed random. And that's what I love in my work is trying to give you this understanding of 
the different components and how this is a repeatable thing that you can practice. You can understand, oh, these are the different stages. Oh, this is what's going wrong. Oh, this is why it's working. This is what I need to adjust. And it's so fun to see it play out in my clients' lives and see that they're able to practice this. They're able to understand it. And it becomes this thing you can practice, right? It's no longer just luck. I love that. And actually that's why I got connected to you because as someone who has done it more uh, just individually with people and had the training to do energy work with someone to help them clear their energy systems and, and come back into balance. I saw how valuable it was, but I also recognized, and that's why I'm excited to have partner with Emily in the future as I do like conference work and stuff. I've already talked to her about this is how do we teach this, right? I'm a, I don't know if you know this, but I have a teaching degree as well. I used to teach uh, public school. And so I always kind of approach my therapy work still from an educational background, like from the idea of like, how do we teach this? How do we make this tangible? Do a lot of teaching in the way I do therapy. And I think, I think there's that valuable, like learning something so the mind can understand it then experiencing it. So the body can understand it going within, right. So that it can be received right on the body level and then kind of working our way back out. Right. And I think we're going to talk a little more more about that, but, um, it starts with the mind agreeing with something and giving it space to even be learned, right. To have enough tangibility around it to say, I'm going to trust this. I'm going to open up and like allow this to be learned. Right. We have to kind of start with that level of, I always say humility is the catalyst to learning. If we don't have some humility and some openness, um, if the door is closed, nothing is learned, nothing new is able to come on to the, to the field. And I mean that within our bodies and our minds. So I think you've probably seen that as well, right? Opening that door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about, because I'm, I'm thinking if I'm listening to this, why would I want to learn about energetics? Like, why would this even be important to me if I'm trying to heal? Cause I'm not sure that it'd be clear to everyone listening. Like why is energetics an important aspect of the healing process? Yeah. Um, to me, it really comes down to the purpose of wholeness, right? That that's really the, what we're looking for when we're looking to heal is say, there's something that is incomplete here. And I want that completeness. That's what we're longing for. It's why we get that sensation of feel and feeling of like, I'm broken. I'm missing something. Something is not there. And to me, all wholeness or woundedness can be described in terms of imbalances in masculine and feminine. And that happens on every level, mentally, emotionally, physically, and energetically. And so recognizing that we have not just one imbalance, right? We are the sum of our parts, right? We're not just a single celled organism. We're not just one biological system. We have a nervous system and um, a circulatory system and like an endocrine system, right? There's lots of different parts of us that operate together and need each other in order to perform at the highest function. And the idea behind energetics is that we have an intangible system too, and that that intangible part of us also needs to be operating and functioning well. To me, everything always comes down to the fact that we have um, this physical part of us and tangible piece. We like to think of it as the biological part, but we also have this intangible piece of who we are. Um, and for a long time, we called that the mental part, and it's expanded a bit more into the emotional part, but there is also this energetic 
part of it that's even a step further. And so when we're seeking true healing, we're seeking wholeness and it's not going to be fully realized in our personal experiences unless we can do it through all those different layers. And so recognizing what is masculine, what is feminine, what does it look like in wholeness and balance between the two? What does it look like in woundedness and how does it show up and play out in each of these different levels of our being is foundational to understanding well what's the problem what is the quote-unquote root of it because they're each um as we move to a more tangible and tangible experience it's uh further removed i guess from that kind of original root and energetics can be a really powerful tool to help us find that root there and let it play out through the other aspects of who we are it's even in, in my bio, I'm smiling so big, Emily, because it's even in my bio that I'm a root therapist. And that's what I've always meant. But I but I think you described much better than I ever could. <laughs> Love this. What it means to be a root therapist. It means going to the origin, origin of something. And 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 where because things multiply in their sphere, right? We understand that. And so if you get to the root of something, it's kind of like taking a weed and cutting it off at the ground level right maybe the physical level where we can see it but there's this whole root system right it goes down into the ground and i think of energy as like going down into the root of something maybe stored in an energy system literally like a ball of energy like a mass in your energy system if you understand the energy and so you're releasing that so that it doesn't keep spurring the body and the mind to recreate the exact same thing over and over again right like we may have an energy of insecurity so now we have thoughts of insecurity and now we play insecurity out in our lives and we keep wondering, but as you and I know it, it comes from a root, not only in our life experience, right? But maybe the time and the space that it happened in our lives, which is trauma work 101, right? Where did this first happen? Where did you have this shift, right? Uh, where did this belief form and when did it form? At what age and stage did it form? But it also left an imprint in your energy field. And that's what I think people don't understand is that it left an imprint in your energy field and learning to clear that is what energy workers do. And so I maybe nobody's ever heard it described that way, but that's what I do. I find it, where is it coming from? How old were you? What happened? Okay, let's tell the story. Let's release the lesson. Let's move through it and let's clear it from your energy field. And much of that's done through intuition. So I think people there's a lot of growth to get to that place where I think you can receive that type of work. And so hopefully today we're just, we're, we're tilling the ground maybe a little more, help people feel safer and greater understanding around this. That's kind of what I see us doing and, and helping them realize maybe with that, whatever it is, you're ailing you or how do you go a little deeper, right? Where's your root? Well, and a piece with that too, for me is, um, there's again, the dance between the masculine and the feminine. And so we'll see people and they've had very real healing occur. And they'll tell you like, I never did any energy work. I never got to my root thing. Like, how was I able to move through this? And it's because you do have access. You can do it through the physical side of you, but we all know how difficult it can be to move through on the physical piece of it, right? That's what takes years and decades to kind of just move through and get over this thing. And where energy work can be so powerful is it's not so physical. It's not so tangible, right? You don't have to chop up the wood of the tree. You can go to the very specific 
um, before it's as dense, right? And it's easier to start shifting things there and letting that lay the foundation for shifting things in your physical sphere. And so that's where I think it can become a really valuable tool is to recognize, yes, we can access both ways, but especially in some of those things that are really difficult, you know, you look at a lot of new therapies that have come out, things like EMDR or tapping, like these are modalities that are trying to kind of bypass the physical piece and say, let's just find that route and let's work on that because trying to work on the physical is in a way just re-traumatizing you. And we need to be able to get past that in order to help move through it, right? That's why energy work can be so valuable and Um, the other piece that I always like to throw for anyone who is new exploring this world is there's a big sense of vulnerability with that, right? This part of me, I can't quite even comprehend. I'm not fully in touch with it. This part of somebody else, I'm not really sure what, how they're interacting with me. Um, that can feel very threatening, right? I can tell, you know, if a doctor is going to come and like, cut me if I'm conscious, right? And I'm trusting that if I'm going to be in surgery, that I've picked a qualified person who I trust to work on my body. And I think it's really important to recognize that that is also something to be aware of when you are exploring this realm is who is the person that you are working with, right? You're not going to just let anybody cut you open and perform surgery on you. You want to make sure that the person is someone that you trust. And a few of the hallmarks that I tell people is to be aware of how do they talk, right? If they are talking in a sense of, I am so powerful, I have this thing, I can like, I'm amazing as if it's coming from them. That's a little bit of a warning sign because This is very much a process of whoever is the practitioner. If they truly understand the work that they're doing and they're responsible with it, they know they're not actually doing anything. They are this facilitator for a process to occur. They are um, like a doctor is creating an environment in which the body is more conducive to heal, right? If there's a tumor there, that's not conducive to the body being able to heal. So we're going to remove that in the attempt to help the body have an easier time healing. The doctor is not actually healing the body, right? The body is doing that. Same thing with energy work. The person is creating an environment that is inducive to your natural ability to heal. And whether they talk about that in terms of source or God or divine, right? They may have their own language around what that process and thing looks like, but there should be this respect for life and this humility and understanding that there is something that is beyond them and they are a steward in the process. They are not the person facilitating it. And so that type of language, I think, is one of the ways to help create another level of security and safety when you're exploring this work with somebody, right? Be very aware of how do they talk about it? Because our words are a manifestation of our energy and where we're coming from. And you want somebody whose energy is clear so that when they're interacting with yours, it's also helping stay clear. Little tangent there, but wanted to add Thank it you. in. I, no, I love that. A long time ago, when I was first studying this, I kind of 
and I've got a download um, and the podcast was that they, someone can look it up on this if they want source and intention matters. And that's exactly kind of what I felt too. It's just always returning the credit to source, whatever your source is and understanding yourself as an instrument, right? An instrument as always how I've seen it exactly. And um, and also that's why my my partner at Holy and I, Crystal, started, you know, evidence-based pra evidence practice for body-mind-spirit body, healing because, you know, she's an acupuncturist, so she works with energy, you know, through acupuncture. And I had started to do some of these things, mainly at first through mindfulness, but it was really important for me to get trained, right, to go, there's ethics and energy, like you're bringing out. The, you just described the ethics of energy. So most of us, it's just like there's ethics in counseling, right? Unfortunately, it's not a regulated field, though. And so, um, but there are ethics. So I would be, I would ask, hey, you know, who, where did you do your training? What are your ethics? Like, if they don't have any ethics, or they can't describe ethics to you, then they, they may be able to work on themselves very well and they're learning, but I don't know that you want, and again, we're all practitioners. So I think we have to leave room for that, but um, practicing, right. Is it's still a practice, but, um, but yes, are they staying clear and humble and willing to flex when they don't know? And, you know, you know what, I, I, I don't have expertise. I'm willing to come back or I'm not really ready to do that work with you because I don't know if I have enough training. I do that with my clients all the time. They'll be like, can you do this with me? I'm like, hmm. I'm training in that. Let me, let me come back to you. Or there's a lot of informed consent, right? There's a lot of informed consent. You kind of heard me describing doing informed consent with a client where I described, Hey, I do energy work. This is what I do. How do you feel about that? There had to be alignment since there wasn't alignment. I said, okay, I'll back up. I do tapping. I do some techniques from EMDR. You know, I can do other things that are more on the physical plane because I'm training that as well. I was just offering you this more intangible plane because I feel like it's valuable, but if you're not ready, you're not ready. So you're always honoring the agency of the person. I think that's always. a big aspect of, of this too. So cool. That's really neat. Let's talk and about um, the dance. Cause I think that's what you're really awesome about is this dance between these in and between us. Like let's help you everybody understand this energetic dance. Cause we're going to do kind of a part one, part two, and maybe we get a good sense of how this energy works in this podcast. And then we can do another one where we talk about how do you apply that to your healing process? Exactly. Because that's one of the things I have been always passionate about. It goes back to my professional organizing days is that I never wanted people to be dependent upon me as an organizer. I wanted to be able to teach them the skills and the tools so that they could become the professional organizer for their home and not just always feel like they have to constantly be paying me to come back and do this thing. I am at my heart a teacher. And so it's the same thing here. How can I take this process that I found is so valuable and teach it to you so that you can know when do I need somebody else's help and when are the ways that I can do this myself? When can I start practicing and applying that? And so that's really where this um, model came from was that intention of trying to find um, how do I teach this to individuals so they don't need me anymore, that they can do this on their own. And it begins with kind of this it's almost like a story, right? When I'm describing masculine and feminine energy, I kind of like to personify them as him and her. Again, when we're talking about masculine and feminine energy, you can be, most people are dominant in one or the other. So they will tend to lead with that energy, but in a balanced person, you should be able to tap into both energies as you need them and 
actively incorporate both things in your life, right? You need that intuition, but you also need the action, the feminine and the masculine. And so um, I like to describe it though as almost a story where what originally starts out is you have this masculine and feminine and they're living in this home that's been beautifully constructed, this safe space. They're living there together. And um, a lot of that home was built by the masculine saying, what is it that you want? Let me take this action and create something for you. Guide me in what you want. And he creates this beautiful home for her and she loves it and it's wonderful and they're very happy. There comes a point though, where the woman, the feminine begins to feel trapped and is seeking and longing for something more. And this is a stage that I call the divine departure where she exits out of the structure that has been created and begins seeking something new. And that experience can be very traumatizing for both of them, right? She can feel very betrayed. Like, why am I stuck here? I feel trapped. I feel encased. Like, I just want to be free. I want to get out of this. Why are you doing this to me? You know, the honeymoon is over and he views it as I have done nothing but try to create stability and safety for you. Why would you ever want to leave? Why would you betray me in this way? But in order for the progression to occur, this departure has to happen. And I call it the divine departure because it's often looked at and experienced as I am leaving the divine. I'm stepping away from it because we found that divine union and now there's this exiting from it. And in actuality, it is the divine calling you to depart from this state that you have found into new areas of expanded growth and progression, light and truth. And without that departure, you will stagnate and you won't experience greater love, greater joy. So it is a pull towards something new that actually is coming from the divine. It is not a walk away from it, but that's how we often see it and experience it. So it's kind of this first stage that happens. And then the second stage is what I call the energy clash. And this is a really important part of the phase, but it is really difficult um, for both parties usually. Everything, um, if we wanna take an energetic perspective, right? You can have different state of beings that you experience when you move through this model. Some of them are more dense. And so it's gonna be more uncomfortable. Some of them are a higher state, they're lighter. So it's an easier way to move through this pathway. We get to choose what path, uh, what state of being we want to enter this process. And that will shape how our story and our journey goes. Um, so the energy clash can range from arguing and tension to cooperative and supportive discussion and collaboration, right? There's this spectrum there that can occur. But the purpose of the energy clash is really to prepare the feminine to step into a new role. Because at this point, and I have a really cool diagram that you'll see why it's called the staircase. And it's a little hard to do here on a podcast, but if you check out my website um, or- yeah, there's a picture that's cool with it. Oh yeah, you've got a lot on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically the masculine in the first half of this cycle is on top, right? It's that protective covering, that safe space that is actively creating. And the feminine is like this little line that slowly begins to build up. And in the energy clash, that starts to become split, 
there. So you have about half and half of masculine and feminine energy showing up. And there comes in the middle is this decision point, which is preparing them to make this flip where the feminine is going to take on masculine and the masculine is going to take on feminine so that they can explore a new way of being in order to reach a new level of growth. And so the energy clash is really about the feminine being prepared for this new leadership role and creating this safe space for the masculine to go on a journey of growth and expression. So in that energy clash stage, um, we often see this as things going wrong, right? We have this wonderful pull that called us to something new and we're struggling to move forward with that. I'm going to pause for one second and just check on baby real quick, if that's okay. I'll just chat for a minute with group. Um, so one of the things that I love Emily for doing this while she's being a mom, <laughs> she's a three month old. Um, but one of the things that is really beautiful about this, um, when I ran into this model and I'll have Emily discuss this when I get back, I really, I really related it to actually my dance with my actual husband. I felt like we had been on the spectrum of times when there had been more clash with me kind of rising into my sovereignty, my gifts, how I wanted to show up in the world in action. And then there's been times when that has been super supportive. And I would say, I'll give my husband a shout out. That's where we live today. But I see this because I do couple therapy. I see a lot of um, this happening. So if this is, as you listen to this and you're like, okay, we're actually talking about energies, right? This is just energy. I think you're going to see that this is actually something that you feel uh, between men and women happening in the world as well. Like this idea that women are rising into kind of new ways of being and men in the world are kind of coming around where, where does that leave me? Right. I just supported and protected you. And like, what does that look like for me now? So Emily, I was just, I was just telling the podcast for a minute that partly when I saw this, I was drawn to it for the couple therapy that I do, because I've seen a lot of couples being in this dance together with she's rising into her gifts and her desiring to bring something into the world in a new way, maybe a little more outside of her home and in a more actionable way versus less nurturing way. And then um, sometimes that really setting off the men in our lives who've been like, I've, I've protected and supported you. And, and there's the structure and this, this, these can be masculine structures as well. Like I want to be your protector. And she's like, I don't need you to keep me safe though. Like I can keep myself safe, right? I'm moving into my own sovereignty. And so um, I feel like this is happening really like, again, I'm energetic and empathic, but in, in the world as well right now. So I think your model is just like right on time being delivered to the collective in just the right timing. And I'm so excited for it because I think it's very helpful to help us understand the confusion that we're feeling in our homes and between our most important relationships right now. So thank you for that. Let's continue with your story though. Yeah. Um, well, the quick thing I'm going to add to this too, since we brought this up and I think it'll help as I'm describing it is to recognize, um, I say that energy and especially this model are fractal in nature and a fractal is kind of like Russian nesting dolls. There's this base unit that is repeated over and over and builds upon itself. And so the base unit is always this masculine and feminine that starts out in ourselves and our own experience. But then we can step into a bigger Russian doll and that can be our relationship with our partners, right? It can step into an even bigger doll, which is our systems and organizations. Like pick any one of them, government, education, um, 
Hollywood, right? They have this masculine and feminine as well. And we see this story play out on all these different levels from the individual to the relationship to the organizational. And so it's one of those cool things too that we can really dive into Probably not today, but just like there's applications. No, I see it too, and it is fascinating. It yeah. is absolutely, absolutely playing out everywhere. Oh, cool. So, so we've got this like women are rising, and they're kind of there's this point where they're trying to decide if I'm hearing you right, um, how they're going to move into these new this new rising. Is a masculine going to take on a new space of kind of exploring the feminine? What's going to yeah. happen here? So I think that's where you were. Exactly. So basically the feminine has gone off into the woods, right? And she's found this beautiful new vista. And it's like, ah, this is our new home. This is where we need to go together. And she comes back to tell the masculine, I found this beautiful place. And this is often where he's like threatened, right? Why do you want to leave? What is wrong with this? Are you saying I didn't do a good enough job? Are you saying that this wasn't right? Like, why are you looking elsewhere? Doesn't, doesn't that imply that you're dissatisfied with what is here? And in a whole feminine space, so wholeness and woundedness are two terms I'll be using throughout here to just kind of paint out how we can respond, what state of being are we in? But the whole feminine, she's going to respond to that and say, no, I love so much what you have created and I'm so excited to get to create even more with you. That's my desire. That's where I'm coming from. Um, the wounded feminine is going to play into that and react and be like, what? No, I'm right. I know this. You can't tell me I'm wrong. Like, how dare you do this? Right. And want to just kind of um, prove the masculine wrong because often that wounded feminine, that leaving that departure was very traumatic, right? Of this, I was stuck in this cage. You don't understand what it was like there. You don't know how horrible it was. How dare you tell me to get back in my cage? I'm not going back in there. I'm going to this vista and you better come along with me because you're wrong, right? That kind of becomes this play out and dynamic that we see going on. Um, but when we step into what I call risen feminine energy, that's really that whole feminine, or um, it's often called divine feminine, right? Mm -hmm. That is when there's this understanding. And part of why I call it the rise is because this is the point in the staircase where she shifts and moves up above the masculine. And so there is now space underneath for the masculine to grow and move into a supportive role with her. Um, in my images, that's all filled in, but initially it's blank. It's just this space that she's creating. And the hallmark of risen feminine energy is the ability to sit in the dissonance, to hold the discomfort and say, it's uncomfortable to hold this space. There's no support right now. It is not filled in yet. It is, um, but I have this inner knowing and I'm not going to allow what I am experiencing as discomfort or dissonance to deter from what I know and who I know myself to be. I will hold this space and I will wait, right? Risen feminine has to invite the masculine to join her and wait for him to come and- Can we just pause there? It's so, that's so, that's so huge right there. I'm feeling that because I've never heard you describe it quite like that, Emily, but I'm wondering if anyone else is feeling that. I remember that stage personally. I remember following my intuition, knowing that God, I was on a journey with God, 
I remember the first time I described energetics to my husband and him being like, what, what is this? Right. I mean, I'd been very scientific and practical and, and did all the very concrete licensure oriented practical things as a therapist. And all of a sudden I was departing into these holistic, less tangible ways of healing, right? Body, mind, spirit forms of healing. And, um, let's just say people in my life at first weren't exactly like celebrating my change. And I think that you're going to see that, right. That people in your life are used to you operating in a certain way. Systems like if you look at systems theory, one-on-one systems don't necessarily celebrate change, right. They fight those changes at first. And so there's this invitation while you hold, this is systems theory that you hold and you just be confident and clear and, not unapologetic of this is who I am and I'm inviting you to meet me there. And I do think, well, I can look at all my relationships. They've risen to meet me there and they are grateful for the journey they've been on as well. But I think one person's rise invites another person to rise. Right. And I think that, um, we kind of set off each other's energies that way. Right. We kind of call each other to the work and there can be a little, what I call shadow work there for the people to let go of their old models of being in and look inside and why they can't be supportive of this growth. Like, what is it that, what is in their mindset and their way of being that's not allowing them to move with you? Maybe they're feeling connected to this old way of being that they feel safe in, you know? I, I, that's at least what I see with couples and myself. And what do you think of that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's really fun because from an energetics perspective, um, what happens when the feminine rises and holds that risen state is it creates an energetic vacuum. It's a vacuum, which means yeah. it must be filled. And it's crazy because the vacuum, you don't see it. You don't necessarily feel the power initially, right? You might be able to hear it or different things, but like a vacuum, you can't see. And so it is this belief of I'm holding this and trusting this space will be filled in. Um, and it does, you know, sometimes it is that process, right. And more in depth, I have different ways of describing that process of what it looks like. Um, sometimes what happens is you don't immediately step into the full expression of risen feminine energy. It builds up. It's gradual. You'll see that in the image. And so sometimes during that gradual process, it's the, um, you know, kind of do it scared. You're like stepping into it and you're trying to do this, but it, you're not fully used to it or comfortable with it yet. And it can be really hard. And so sometimes either the feminine can't hold that yet, or something comes up that she needs additional clarity on in order to be able to hold that risen state. And when that occurs, it's a return back to the energy clash. And that's often felt as failure, or I didn't succeed, or wounded, um, or fear, right? We tend to view this as a step backwards. It's not actually a step backwards though. The energy clash is what creates from an energetic perspective, the momentum in order to create the rise. And if you don't spend enough time in the energy clash, you don't get enough momentum to sustain the jump. And so basically if you go for it and then you fall back, it just means the energy wasn't there for it. You got to clean some things up. You know, maybe there's too much density there that is pulling you back down. You got to do some, what we call trauma or shadow work to release some of that so that you have the ability to step into this new space. And so the energy clash, in my opinion, That's is beautiful. one of the most 
misunderstood phases. And yet if we learn to master the energy clash, our ability to make leaps and jumps forward in our personal and societal change exponentially changes because now we know how to utilize it as a tool. What's the clarity? What's the thing I'm missing here? What do I need? How do I move through this? And we're starting to get better at this in um, the emotional healing world, right? We talk more and more these days about you need to feel all of your feelings. It's okay to feel joy and sadness, right? This dissonance experience is right there. And so we're starting to understand this concept better. And the more we can really embrace that and understand that, the more we're going to be able to move through this process and reach new heights that before have just been kind of dreams and, well, that'll never happen because that's not reality and that's not the way things work. (laughs) Energy tells us if we, or energetics tells us if we can desire it, if we can envision it, believe it, it is possible. It's just a matter of being willing to walk through the path and all of the steps in order to get there. And for a lot of human history, we have not understood this process and it has caused us to experience it as a very traumatic wounding one. And the trauma there builds up and expands over generations and prevents us from being able to be in that risen state. Oh, gosh. I mean, we could just talk about that for hours because there's so much happening in the world right now with just that. (laughs) Like energetic clashes all over the place all the time for those of us who look at energy. But I love the two things that you're bringing out there too. It's, It's a phrase I always say, there's no such thing as failure, there's just learning. And we have to get out of this idea um, of perfectionism, right? That everything needs to be perfect and we need to never have struggles because it's actually, it is the struggle. I just did a post on this. It is the struggle that teaches us, right? The relationships are showing up for you, not against you, right? As you have a struggle in a relationship, it's a mirror back to you. Um, I had a sibling just call me today. We were chatting about something and I was like okay how is this mirroring to you where you're growing what you need to I just you know what is it showing you right and so you you actually use the momentum of that struggle to help them kind of go through that next step yeah and of course it's nice to have a sister that's a therapist right like so I do that but I just think that it's funny because I do that with myself I'm like okay I'm really struggling with my my teenage child instead of focusing on my teenage child and how they need to be different I go what is this showing me about me like where do I need to grow how can I uh, expand so that I can meet this kid where they're at right now. And, and then you grow and then you, and you become, you become, I mean, that's, I think that alone, you become more, you ex- become expansive. So exactly. I love that. I definitely see that. Absolutely. So well, we're on this cool. journey. We've had, the crash. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, um, I was just going to put a small tangent in there. Cause again, yeah. we dive into this forever, but my energetics version of the mirror effect is not just that other people are mirrors showing us ourselves but it's literally mirroring the same feeling because everything is in relationship. Masculine and feminine cannot exist without that polarity, without that relationship there. And so going back to kind of our story, the feminine is feeling, you know, it's your fault. You wounded me. You put me in this cage. And the masculine is saying, no, it's your fault. You left me. You did this, right? So whatever we're thinking and feeling is actually what the other person we're in relationship is experiencing on some level too, right? The flavor or the topic or how we describe it might be different between the two people, but at the root, there is some commonality there. And if you can find that root thing you share together, your ability to kind of move through all the noise of how it's being described and whose fault it is and what's happening can dissipate a lot easier. And you can go, oh, you want to be heard. I want to be heard. 
And usually it's harder to see that in the other person because that's not what we've taught or trained ourselves to speak or communicate that way, right? We're just describing the most tangible expression we have, which is somebody outside of me did something and it's hurting me and I need them to know so that they can stop so that I don't have to experience that anymore. But when you can get to that root cause and see, oh, this is what I'm wanting. That's what they're wanting too. How can I give that to them so that it will drop their resistance and open up that door for them to be able to see it? And so we kind of view that as like, oh, being weak or a doormat or something. And it's actually one of the most beautiful forms of conflict for resolution to be able to see what is that in me that is also in them? How can I give that to them so they can see? You can hear my speech in the background. I love that. <laughs> um, my, um, we're just sitting in my kitchen. So you're hearing my sink. That's fine. But, um, but I, oh my goodness, so much about that. But I really think energetics for couple work is so, is so, so important. I really do. And that's why I'm very excited. I'm already, you know, Emily and I were talking about this. We both can jump into the future and kind of create and then go, okay, where are we at today? But I do think this is really, really important to, um, to, to start bringing this to couples. Cause you're right. I think of that and I'm I'm going to bring in a little bit of my spiritual understanding on this, just the idea of agreeing with the adversary, like Jesus taught this concept of agree with the adversary, right? And what did that mean? It didn't mean like he let yourself be dominated. It meant agree with them where there's this commonality, where is this common agreeance, right? In energy, right? And then from that place, release that. And that's what, I mean, I think this is best done, at least for me with my teens. I don't, you don't have teenagers yet, but wait till you do. You can't get anywhere with them until you say, I see you. I understand you. You make sense. I can, I can see why you think I'm a tyrant, you know, because I've got rules or boundaries or whatever. That makes sense to me. You make sense to me. And from that space, they're like, okay, I can see where maybe I can, I need some boundaries or, or I was at overreacting or whatever, but they don't ever, ever, ever go there until honestly, the more mature party, hopefully is the parent goes there first, right? To give and receive is the same with God. So you have to give it to receive it back. And um, it's so beautiful to see that happen um, when couples can do it. I'm going to put aside my grievance and just see you and hear you so that you can then, yeah, when you're well, ready, see and hear me. It's cool too, from an energetics perspective, every relationship that we enter into, we create a new energy system with that. So you have your own energy system as an individual, as a couple, you have your own energy system as a family, you have an energy system. And this is why people will like move out and they learn like, and grow up and these new behaviors. And then they come back into an environment where the family energy system is dominant and they'll drop back into those old roles and things because they never shifted the energy system of the family. They just exited it or left it for a little while, created their own. And whenever, they step back into it they just find themselves I don't know why I was doing that I don't do that ever anywhere else right oh yeah um, Christmas so Christmas couples drama. <laughs> yes <laughs> the couples have their own energy system as well and so recognizing like it's this almost entity beyond yourself the couple relationship and what's cool about energetics is it's almost like you're both trying to stay in the centered, balanced place, right? Of your masculine and feminine within each of you. And when one of you gets a little bit out of whack, 
it actually disrupts the other one because you are two halves of a whole. And so when that happens, the other person experiences as you're pulling me out of balance. It's your fault, right? But that inevitably that mindset moves them out of balance, which then moves you further out of balance. So now you're blaming the other person as well. And it's why it only takes one person to begin to shift a relationship. Because if you shift yourself back into a state of balance, you immediately stop pulling on the other person. And it's our natural, in my belief, our natural state to be in a state of balance and wholeness. And so if you don't have that resistance active, it's very natural to come back into that state of balance just like a cork floats back on on the top of the water, right? We can push that beach ball underneath the water and cover it in a bunch of stuff and it will sit on the bottom of the ocean floor. But if you can clear that things out, it's just gonna pop right back up, right? And we see that play out in relationships. I'm sure you've experienced it in some of your work as well. You work on the one individual, they get better and things just naturally tend to get better in the relationship. And sometimes that can feel very intangible of like, why is me working on me helping my relationship when, yeah, once you work on the relationship from a relationship level, it can go a step further and even deeper. But sometimes before you even do that, just working on one individual, you can already start to see some shifts take place. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, always as a therapist, and of course, it's not generally celebrated. I say, yeah, this is you doing your individual work um, together, right? And so hopefully in a couple's room, you can do individual work together, you're working on your balance. You're working on releasing your, your scarcity beliefs, right? Your places of codependence. That's a big word here, but places where your energy is reliant on, right? You're lying and kind of leaning into the energy of the other. And we're kind of autonomous humans, right? We have a tendency when someone's leaning into us, sometimes we like it because we like to be needed, right? There's, there comes that point where anybody in this rise goes, wait a minute, I'm an independent person. I'm actually meant to stand on my own two feet. And um, it can feel, we don't, we don't neither like to be, it's funny, like the person who is codependent on one breath doesn't like that. There's a part of them doesn't like that. And so they kind of resist that. And then the person who is caregiving, like kind of likes to be needed and caregiven. Then there's another moment where they're like, what, that's overwhelming, right? I need a break from that. So I think you see that again, that desire to go back to balance. I'm an individual, you're an individual, and we're walking together in balance and growing together. I think that happens. Um, yes, so many ways that this plays out, but I think that the the, the podcast listeners are going to kill me if we don't get to end of the story, because I want to know where- we're good. Yeah. Going. So, so let's, let's hear the end good. of the story, and then maybe um, we can come back to the next podcast and talk about more applications. For sure. Um, so the basic piece of it is the feminine learns to hold this space, right? And as she steps into that risen feminine, there's that space that the masculine can now enter into. So kind of going back to our story image, she's gone and found this beautiful place. She comes back and invites him to join her. And the tendency that kind of gets us back into wounded feminine is to either go back into the old house or to go to the vista on your own. And part of the role is you're learning to walk with the masculine to the new place. And that's that dissonance because there's this yearning in you that's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I know where we're going. Can we get there already? Like, 
Why do I have to go through this? But the point is the masculine's never been there before. You are that person who walks with them to this new place. And only once you arrive there, do they go, oh, this is beautiful. Thank you so much for bringing me here, right? And a part of that is the masculine has to learn to trust the feminine. So that's a piece of it that we kind of forget and miss. The feminine is usually focused on like, do I even want to go back to the masculine? Like this vista is so beautiful. I don't want to go back to that cage and that home and this like horrible experience that the masculine put on me. So she first has to learn to go back and say, I'm going to reconcile with the masculine. I'm going to go back so that I can invite him to this new place that I found. But then the masculine has to go on this journey of learning to trust the feminine. It's like, last time you went out here, you betrayed me. I got really hurt. I don't know that I want to walk off with you. Like, go your own way. Leave me alone. Fine. Like, either stay here with me where it's comfortable or go and do your own thing. And the journey is the risen feminine is, again, sitting in that dissonance and saying, I will walk with you. I will go at this with your pace and I'll guide you and we'll come together. And that's how you go through the cycle of healing where you come back to this new place and you're there together. And it's like, oh, I remember why I loved you. <laughs> I remember why I wanted to build a life together with you. Let's build it together in this new space. And so now you set out on building this new home, which is kind of just a repetition of it. Um, if you're looking at my staircase model image, the full complete version first has the, what I describe it, it's blue, the blue feminine rising up, and then the masculine is gold. And then the gold goes on its own journey of rising and that completes the whole cycle. So we have to you know, go on this journey, building the new house and setting it up. Um, we won't go into that as detail, but it's basically repeating the cycle just in this new space in order to return back to our original setting, which is the masculine saying, I built this beautiful house based off of the vision that you had and what you wanted to do living here. And eventually there comes that turning point again, where the feminine is like, I'm off to find something new. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that because I think sometimes when I first started learning about this, I looked at my husband and I, I was thinking, because I, I grew up in fairly traditional values, you know, I'm a child of the 80s, you know, 70s, 80s, right? And so, and I still think many traditional values are very, very important like in my life, but what I what I kind of grew up was like roles, right? There was ideas of roles mm -hmm. and things and stuff. And I said, I think that I was naturally suited to, you know, parenting or whatever, maybe more and more suited, more desiring to do that. Um, but I, I do think that what I noticed was, um, as I stood, you know, as I went to graduate school, when my, like, for instance, when my son was uh, two, and then I gave birth to a child in graduate school, uh, my husband really stepping in and parenting our ch children and caregiving them and really developing um, things that he didn't intend to, you know, not that he didn't know that he would, right, that he could make dinner and like do all the things, right, he could be very supportive. Supportive and 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 then I gave me this time to kind of go on the journey and then now it's so interesting because you know he just finished an, another master's program we were always learning and growing together and I kind of stepped back into like let me support you while you go on that journey and he just graduated and I'm like hey I have this desire to do this thing so I've seen us kind of go who you know whose season is it to do the rising whose season is it to do the supporting 
and not to see it as a male or female thing, but just to allow each other to have seasons because there needs to be support and there needs to be um, somebody going on the journey, right? And so I think that that can be on a daily basis, that can be over years, like some of these things were over years, um, but moving away from the idea that like, this is a stagnant thing forever, right? Like this is, this women are supportive, men are, men are going through the aspiration journey, right? Women get to have aspirations and men actually can be supportive. And I think my husband would tell you that he feels so much more whole as a person for that because he he has this deep relationship with our kids like they know they can go to mom and dad and they're different they go for different things but they're equally nurturing and they're equally available um either of us can cook dinner one might order it a little more than the other I'm not going to say who but you know what I mean like it's okay it's going to get done and you know what I'm saying? We have our ways of doing it, right? Because we're going to bring our flavor. I'm definitely more divine feminine energy. And so I, I really appreciate when my husband kind of puts some structure around my, my beautiful ideas and aspirations. Um, but there are times when I give him structure, right? So I, I, I think that's one of the things that I think we need to look at is that we really have this divine union, this balance and dance between the feminine and masculine, both in couples, which is important mm -hmm. to me, I think, because I work with them. But within ourselves, right, there's been times when I really want to go in and just be very creative and I can't put a lot of structure to it yet. And then other times, like when I connected to you, Emily, I was like, oh, there's some structure to all of this learning I've been on. I'm so excited for Emily to bring me some structure. And this is between two women, right? I'm so excited that she's bringing some structure to all this learning so that I feel like I can teach it in a better way to the podcast community and then hopefully the whole womanly community in the future. Um, so yes, I think it just ebbs and it flows. And I think this balance, if you think about balance, right? You're, it's never stagnant, right? If you balance on one foot, you're always having to like continually readjust. Um, that's what I think of balance, but anything else that you want to add for this, for this episode of like understanding energies, the divine union, the dance, and then we're going to go into applications. She's got some beautiful applications. I don't want you to miss. So stay tuned for the next episode, but what do you think that we're missing in the understanding piece today? Yeah. The last bit that I would add is exactly what you were kind of describing. It's the fractal nature is really important because it can get confusing to be like, wait, this is masculine. No, this is feminine. Like what is going on here without that fractal piece, you can get confused in it. Right. So, and there's a piece of looking at the smaller components versus the overall one. So if I were to describe my relationship with my husband, I would say I lead in the feminine. He leads in the masculine. And that's a part of our good balance for each other. But a part of that has been teaching the other person, the other energy. And as we've learned how to step into that other energy, it's balanced us out and it's created more of this balance in our own home. So right now I'm recording this and my husband is dealing with the kids, right? I'm doing the work. He's taking care of the yep. children. There comes times where that flips, right? He loves to do tutoring and a couple other, um, freelance work. And when he's doing that, then I take on the kids, right? There's that dance between who's doing what role and when, but we still have kind of our overall natures. But the funny piece of it is our overall nature can be expressed in different ways. So if you were to describe who has more of the like ambitious work desires between the two of us, 
that would be me. And my husband is like, I'm perfectly fine and content. Like I want to be home with kids. And like, he loves to cook and these different things. And I'm like, I love to work. I love business. I love being out there with people. I love providing value. Like that's part of what feeds my soul. Of course. I love my kids. There is nothing more important to me than my kids and making sure they're taken care of and setting up my work schedule and my structure so that I don't miss out on it. Right. I got to have this morning playing with my kids, making them breakfast. I get to be there in the afternoons with them and we have family time together and meals that we do together, right? But it's this understanding of how do I find the balance between the two, which we've been longing for so much, right? What's the work-life balance? How do I find that? That's feminine and masculine and recognizing what are those components can give you that perspective of how to dance between the two. And giving yourself permission to show up as yourself. I think that's one of the things I see so much with women and men both, right? Right? Like, I love that, like that your husband has that permission to say, you know, I really want to be home with the kids more. You go, you go bring value out in the world more if that's what you want to do, Emily. And, or, and again, like I said, my husband and I have, ironically, we've literally like done your model. I I would love to have you map us. Like, I don't even know how many times in our 20 (laughs) or 21 years of marriage. And it's, it's like, I think there's seasons for it too, right? There's been seasons where I'm like, I just have a baby. I just want to be here and nursing his baby. And like, I don't have any interest in anything out there right now. This is enough. Right. And so I think there's, there's seasons for things too. And letting yourself reinvent yourself because the thing is, that's so beautiful about growth is like, you're literally not the same energy system 10 years from now that you are now like I am not the same woman today that I that my husband married he is low he's not even close to the same guy today that I married so this is not a stagnant thing and and isn't that beautiful isn't that wonderful isn't that the idea because energy if you look at energy right it's expansive it's always always expanding outward just like the universe is always expanding right that's a kind of a macrocosm of our micro so yeah. are we so anytime we put tight of a box most people know I love butterflies, but like the butterfly sheds or the, the caterpillar sheds its skin because it gets too tight. Right. And ultimately we shed the cocoon because it gets too tight and we're ready to like shed our wings. So I think that the idea is that we start to feel that something it rubs and it doesn't always rub forever. Right. It rubs when it's ready to rub. And when it rubs, you have to acknowledge the rub and let yourself move through the rub. Right. And these are just my ways of describing this. Your model exactly. is so much clearer, but I used butterflies for a while, you know? No, I love it. And in fact, I mean, that is a piece you didn't necessarily go into. It's one I tend to go into more when I talk about the difference between masculine and feminine leadership and balancing how you use them. But there's this tendency, the masculine does by its very nature become overstructured on purpose. That's part of the process. Um, We look at this on a macro scale and it tends to be like to be called right now as patriarchy, right? This overstructuring of the masculine, but that's actually a critical part of the process that triggers the feminine to go on the journey for a new level of growth. If you don't have the overstructuring occurring, she's going to be safe and comfortable forever and never have a desire to step out and move somewhere. And so it's a part of this process. And of course, how we move through it determines the level of wounding we experience and how much pain and suffering happens along that way. We are still learning how to navigate that in a more whole and um, less traumatizing way. But that is actually a key part of it. And the reason that happens is because 
the masculine's job is to continue to build and refine and take action, right? And when you take action and you get this positive result, there's this natural inclination to want to keep repeating that action in order to keep getting the positive result. And that's the folly of science of any kind of masculine structures thinking, oh, we figured it out. And then eventually there comes this point where it's like, oh crap, right? There's this feminine component that we weren't aware of or seeking. And now that's been brought to the forefront. And now we have a greater understanding of what was going on. Um, and so it's fun. Like we can try this out in scientific communities in history communities, like so many different areas. Love yeah. that. But it's that basic idea of that's not actually of that. part of it. Well, and what I think is really, yeah, and that's, I, I love that you're saying that because I have noticed that too. When I did, I did a lot, you know, I did, I did some forgiveness work around, you know, some of these things myself. And I think as I did that, I think I stepped into my wholeness. I loved your story where the girl's like, she's upset and she's like, fine, I'll just go on my own and I don't need anyone. Or, you know, there's that kind of like departure and then that kind of, um, even passive aggressive state, right? That you can go in your broken, you're kind of not broken, but wounded feminine energy, instead of recognizing and holding space for, wow, this is really uncomfortable for you. And I'm going to hold space for this discomfort without changing me, right? I'm gonna hold space. And that space may need to be held for a time, a long time, but just be myself and keep like recognizing that, you know, that you're on your own journey, like you're having your own lessons. I think whoever, whatever the system is, the person is, the, the, the relationships are, um, I think that's beautiful. And, and also the idea that we get, because I, I can, I don't know, but I, within my own self, I get, I'll get overstructured, right? I'll have too many to-dos, too many rules or ways or checklist items, if you will. I think systems have like, they systemize things to death, right? So they leave out individuality and flexibility. Like, wait a minute, there's no one size fits all for all human beings. And so now all of a sudden you've said there is. And so what happens for all these unique family systems that don't fit in this one size fits all? I think that's what you start to see happening. And so that the, then the people kind of, the feminine rises and says, no, actually we're unique individuals. Like actually, no, we need a little more space in the structure to hold space for the uniqueness that's the human experience. And I think you're seeing that um, in every structure in the world right now, I think we're seeing that on some level. So that's so cool too. Thank you so much, Emily, for putting language. That's what I wanna to say to you today for putting language to something that I think we all have been intuitively knowing, but not knowing how to describe. Thank you for going on the journey to hear the voice of the divine so you could bring this to us. And I, I wonder how many other people listening can go on that journey as well and really trust their inner voice, whether they're male or female or some spectrum in between where they're not sure they're feeling into that, but to recognize that they all, they have both of these pieces in them and which part of them is not maybe getting the attention it needs, right? And, and, and maybe giving more attention to that um, so that you can bring into the world your wholeness. Because I think what the world needs now is everyone showing up in their gifts and their abilities. And if yours is to bring structure to intangibles, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, I think that's what we're all trying to do is bring our thing out into the world. Um, but it, go, it comes from creativity. It comes from that feminine energy. Um, being willing to be expansive and creative and then put some structure around that so we can bring it out to others. At least that's what I've experienced. What do you think? 
Exactly. Um, in fact, even from like my professional organizing world, if I create a system or a structure for your home without getting to know you as an individual and how you move through the space and where do you naturally put things, it's going to be a lot more difficult to fit that feminine flow into that structure. And so it's much easier to learn how to trust the feminine, to let it guide and then build the structure around it. And that's been a big part of my passion because exactly as you described, we have all got to understand how to find this balance, how to learn to trust, to lead from that intangible place and then build the structure around it because it creates such a smoother experience for everyone involved. It's a lot easier and it begins with really learning to understand what does it mean for the feminine? We've haven't really understood that intangible part of our world. And as we get to explore it and discover it and integrate it, I think that's really what's going to continue to bring balance in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, in our world. Amen. I I really feel that too. So thank you so much for being willing to help us to embrace this. And I'm excited to come back another episode we'll talk about when that's going to be and maybe talk about some of these applications and tools because I know that's one of the things that you're really great on is bringing actual tools to this but I think now we'll just let this marinate people think about wow where am I seeing this in my life and then we'll bring it into uh some tangibility for you thank you so much for being on the podcast and I look forward to talking again soon thanks thank you so much Somer and everyone who's been listening it's been wonderful to get to chat with you all one last thing just made me think of it um, because some people may sign out on this podcast, where can they find you? If they want to just find you directly, what, where can they find more about you, Emily? Yep. All my stuff is under Emily Carolyn Baker. So that's my website, www.emilycarolynbaker.com. You can find me on Instagram. I am emilycarolynbaker.com. Same on YouTube. I am Emily Carolyn Baker. So lots of great ways to connect. I love, she's got a lot of great stuff out there. Hope you guys connecting with it. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks.